Hey, we're back. Or, hey, we're back. Actually, BSB OT. I didn't come from a break. This is an OT episode. We're actually doing a uh, guest spot with our reoccurring guest, Jesse Marshall, who's a beat writer for the Pittsburgh Penguins, also of the Athletic. Jesse, say hello. Hello. Nice. I did it. Welcome to welcome back to BSB. Last time we spoke with you, um, we had a really nice conversation about the Pittsburgh Penguins, how life was, what was going on with the goalie situation, how you're going to enjoy the next three years of playing with Jack Johnson on your team, and that some things happened. Do you have anything you want to say? No. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I actually, you know, it was just so shocking to me that when you guys asked me to be on, I had assumed that maybe we wanted to talk about Alexi Lafreniere some more. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lafreniere, yes. I'm not. I'm not here to take a victory lap. I'm only here to provide honest information. Okay. I, 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 I'd be remiss without letting Gregory butt in as he is the co-host. Gregory, would you like to say anything? I don't know. I honestly, it, it just this overwhelming feeling of melancholy has been watching over me week, day after day this week. Um, Jesse, last time we had you on. As Ryan was saying, we talked a lot about the Penguins. We also talked a lot about Jacques Martin and how this is a guy who created a defensive system that even Jack Johnson could play in. Uh, And we saw that as a good thing. We want to remember that. We saw saw that as a good thing. Do you think Martin just likes challenges and that's why he tried to get this to happen? I kind of feel like uh, the convert, and the, I'm I'm just now giving you a taste of what's to come, so that let this next snippet serve as a warning to everybody in New York about what you're about to enter into, because in my opinion, having just gone through this, the conversation isn't actually about Jack Johnson, it's more about the archetype of the player that Jack Johnson represents and stands for, and I think that when you see his most ardent defenders. They're generally old school guys who believe that you need a crease clearing defenseman that could bop somebody over the head and, you know, that hit count, that hits really count and are important. And then if you have more, that's a good thing. Like they all, that, that, so you could substitute, technically speaking, for me, Jack Johnson with really any other name that fits that archetype. Uh, you know, slow skating, you know, not the most fleet footed and sort of revered as this crease clearing penalty killer. Uh, I, I think that he's viewed as sort of like, you know, the last the last action hero for that group. Um, and so, you know, results, video, data be damned, you know, that that presence, quote unquote, is what you'll hear a lot about. And the necessary sort of, uh, I don't want to use the word patrolling because it's not about fighting, but you know what I mean? Just a, we got to protect the goalie. We got to get tough in the, in the penalty kill. We got to do this, that, and the other. We got to block shots. All the things that you hear that are often adjectives to describe someone who's not really good at skating and can't handle the puck, right? So I I don't even know that it's about him. I think he's just sort of become somehow or another the standard bearer for that kind of defenseman. So, I mean, if you think about the rhetoric you've already heard, it's only going to accelerate. And by the time Jack Johnson left Pittsburgh, I don't even know that we were really arguing about him anymore as much as we were arguing about whether or not that kind of quote unquote role was necessary in the NHL in 2020. I, what you just did, I wish I could have, <laughs> I wish I could have recorded it. Huh? That's pretty funny. I did record it and I'm going to listen to it every day because that's sort of the, re- the, the narrative we've been spinning on this podcast since that happened where it was like, Hey, why are we still valuing 
these players that are this sort of archetype that isn't really valuable in the NHL at all today. And yet it, to, to us, it had to be a connection thing, right? Like he had like, obviously had some connections to JD, obviously has connections to Jacques Martin, but in this case, like without that, there's no way he signs with the Rangers. Like, it's not like they thought he was great at hockey, right? It was the connections. I know you're not like tuned in for this, but I just, I want to get your opinion on it. And, and then not only that, but they paid him above a minimum salary. It's like, imagine, yeah. imagine being the worst at your job and then getting paid above what you're, well, that's, I'm describing my job. Never mind. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop now. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what's funny? And you can remember this too. Hold on to this for later. When he let, when, when the buyout took place, I guess you could say like the ardent, you know, flag bearers that were left, you know, arguing pro Jack Johnson moved the goalposts. And then the argument became, well, what, do you think the Penguins are going to win a Stanley Cup now that they got rid of them, huh? Now that's the only thing that's preventing them from a championship? No, but you can't in good faith make the argument that they're not marginally better. I mean, say what you want to say about Mike Matheson. Mike Matheson is full stop a better defenseman than Jack Johnson. So the 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 trickle down effect from having him in that role should be such that the penguins should experience an improvement in multiple ways. Now, we can argue about how large or small that is, but the argument of whether or not they're better is not really an argument because I can prove it with wins above replacement. Any metric you want to throw, I mean, you're going to have a really hard time you know uh, proving the point that you know you there and again like i said nobody in pittsburgh was arguing that jack johnson was the sole reason that the penguins got eliminated from uh, that play in round but it would be disingenuous to say that he didn't play a role in it however large or small you want to argue he there was there was an anchor when he was out there so it it almost became like nobody was even willing to take a step back and be like you know what yeah it, it really didn't work out and it wasn't great um, it almost became this thing that we should have been expected to live with. And I, and again, would just assume that a lot of that rhetoric is, is headed your way. Yeah. I, it, it's funny. You mentioned moving the goalposts because I don't, I don't know if all Ranger fans experienced this, but, um, what, what you were explaining with the archetype archetype of Jack Johnson, the Rangers had that in the form of Mark Stahl. The only problem was they were paying them. $5.7 million for one more year to be that player. So the Rangers moved them out. But if the Rangers were going to sign a really bad defenseman and claim leadership, I'd rather the guy I already had, honestly. I almost don't care how much he makes at that point. At least like the guys in the room know Mark Stahl. We're putting a lot of stock in 20 new players uh, trusting and liking Jack Johnson enough to make up for his bad play. Like people loved and respect Mark Stahl in New York. He obviously is on a level of Jack Johnson when it comes to what he does on a nightly basis on the ice, but at least he already had the locker room. Now Johnson has to try and win another locker room while also not being good on the ice. Yeah. And uh, as far as the appeal there, I mean, one thing I, and I don't, you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, but one thing I, I hear a lot from Rangers fans and I read in Rangers articles and I've, I've even heard on this show is there's a frustration at times with, with, with the coaching staff in order as it existed last year with, you know, allowing way too many entries and maybe playing a little too deep. Um, if that is a, if that's like a philosophy though, from the coaching staff, I mean, they've got a defenseman that fits into that because Jack Johnson <laughs> plays really deep. 
and you know it's a foot speed conversation you know so you know i i mean that sounds funny to say it that way but i guess maybe in one direction that could be something else they could see is moldable for them i don't i mean i'm I'm trying to think of things i didn't mean to laugh there i want to let you know um, <laughs> no, i understand <laughs> i just i had a visceral reaction to what you were saying and couldn't control it and that's bad hosting on my part but yes this team like the lindy ruff thing why we were so excited that he was going to coach a team in new jersey was because we didn't feel like he did a lot with the defense. He didn't really get creative. And yes, the zone entries were a big time issue. So the fact that he got hired to go coach a Metro rival, we were like, yay, like this is awesome. Um, and then we obviously brought you on to talk about Martin or uh, Martin, whatever we want to call him in this case. And uh, he came over to us and I was like, okay, we'll see what he can do with this system because he's done a lot of great with Pittsburgh. I mean, if we're going to be letting in the zone entries like we were last year, I don't think we're going to be improving upon because not, not only that, but we we talked about this extensively on our last episode, but it seems like Jack Johnson, even though they said like, Hey, this is going to be an extra skater. I don't think they signed him to be an extra skater despite what has come out from them. And they, it's pretty much, Hey, if the prospects we think we can perform, he won't be playing. And I just don't believe that. So what we brought you on last time to talk about, Jock's kind of system is, is that sort of the system is letting zone entries because Jack Johnson, like you said, is pretty good at that. No, I think that uh, what you really get is sort of um, a soft gap by necessity, because I, I think in Johnson's case with the foot speed being where it is, um, that soft gap almost becomes a requirement because if he gets turned, it's lights out. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, general rule of thumb for kids is you want to be a stick length away, right? When the opponent gets, you know, stick length away or closer when the opponent approaches your defensive blue line. Um, I would say Johnson often keeps a gap that another defenseman might have at the red line. You know, it's just a little bit deeper. I, I, for me, you know, it put it put him in a lot of races. Let's let's start there. Um, I, I think that. Johnson allowed 130. I'm looking at my yeah 133 zone entries last year. 93 of those 133 were just somebody skating, right? Which speaks to me like, wow, that is that that gap is real, and I'm not just imagining it when I watch the video. So it's it's more of like a prote- a protection mechanism for him. Uh, it definitely wasn't wasn't something that Jacques Martin coached to because even last year, you know, when the injury crisis for the Penguins really got out of control, you add Jack Johnson playing way up sometimes on the top pairing often on the second pairing with the rookie john marino and and watching those two next to each other was really stark because marino was very aggressive he was really shark like with his with his approach to gap control and when you look at the two of them side by side you'd be like oh man like one of <laughs> one of these players is super confident in their skating and the other one might not be uh, so I, I, to me, it was almost like a self-preservation type of a situation. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll get right back to Jesse and um, a very positive conversation. All right, here we go. Jesse, one thing you and I exchanged in DMs this week, um, the argument came up on Rangers Twitter because it's if Jack Johnson's going to play, he's going to play on the penalty kill. Every Ranger fan knows this. The Rangers have been playing Mark Stahl on the kill for years. I think they see Jack Johnson in that same mold. So Johnson's going to play on the penalty kill. 
we can say a lot of mean things about Jack Johnson, and I'm sure we will as time goes on. Um, but one thing we can't be totally critical of is, by average, Jack Johnson was at least average, if not slightly above average, on the penalty kill last year. The next thing I noticed is the Penguins as a team may have been one of the best penalty kill teams in the NHL, and they were significantly better when Jack Johnson wasn't on the ice. We had been thinking that maybe that was because Johnson was simply seeing higher competition. But as you just said, the Penguins had so many injuries that in theory, their other penalty kill units should have been worse, right? Yeah. Uh, so so now I'll, get, I'll really like, not to get like crazy into the weeds, but like. Oh, no, let's get in the weeds, man. Let's do it. Well, it's about it's about value for me, and like, where, where's your value as a penalty killer, right? Uh, if you're a defenseman, it you know, it's, it part of it is certainly in like moving bodies, right? No question about it. And the Penguins really, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't like reinvent the wheel with the penalty kill. It was basically the same thing they did at even strength, except they had one less person. So, and the whole idea was right, just overload wherever the puck goes. Like it was kind of just what they did at even strength, but with four guys instead of five. So I think where you got into trouble where Jack Johnson got into trouble was that like desire and need to, and, and sort of like, you know, directive to be physical. And there's, you know, again, like productive physicality for me looks like separating a man from the puck. You know, somebody tries to take boards on you, you step in front of them and knock them off or you're in the boards, you're in a puck battle, you move a guy, you steal the puck, not somebody passes it to the point turns and then you hit him and finish this check right that that certainly has removed the other player from the situation but it's also removed you and now it's a four on three <laughs> <You know? laughs> these types of situations and, and the chasing that comes with that 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 i think is where you see an exposure um especially in a penalty kill where you know that's where everybody is there so if, if you're overloading the puck side of the ice and you have a defenseman who follows everybody to that when they're when they're the odd you know they're they're the fourth guy in and maybe should be protecting the front of the net disaster strikes so you have and if really the same problems in zone entries exist on the pk as they do um on, at even strength and i and i will say this about Jacques martin is he they the penguins did allow a ton of zone entries uh on the penalty kill but the, i think the focus was they were willing to sacrifice that and make your first 25 seconds miserable so they give you the blue line, but once you get across, you got your work cut out for you for the next half a minute. And then if you can keep it after that, you're good. But they sort of had this internal timer, right, where they're going to pressure and they're going to pressure and then then they'll let off. Uh, even in that environment, though, you know, you still got the sense that, you know, in, in odd man rush situations in transition, it was still it was still a struggle point for him. It's definitely a situation where it's I hope what you just described is what happens to our penalty kill. Cause we le- lost like a, our best penalty killer or our best penalty killer forward. Um, and even though that does sound like a bit of a struggle bust at times, it still sounds like a potent penalty kill. And I wonder if that's something where we're going. I kind of wanted to circle back just really quick to what Greg was touching on earlier with the leadership kind of aspect. Was that ever spoken about by Penguins players that Jack Johnson was sort of this leader player, this locker room personality. Cause I am, I'm kind of trying to see what they saw out, maybe outside of the play. I mean, I think when provoked, yeah. 
Well, you mean like I mean, when directly asked, like, hey, is Jack Johnson yeah, a good yeah, guy? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, of course, Jack's a great guy. Sure, yeah, but I don't, it wasn't, you know, and the coaching staff would talk about it. And, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't get the sense that he was like a pariah, you know, like every, you know, it, it seemed like everybody got along great with him. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know that there was a rah, rah, let's go element to him there that you know that that's owned by people and has been owned by by people for such a long time you know and even even a patrick hornquist right it, it's going to be tough to get over top of him in that hierarchy right you know so i uh yeah i don't think i personally probably would have ever viewed it that way um you know when the injury stuff went down you know i think he did wear the a for a bit um it's funny Maybe because Drager, Drager was like, yeah, they signed him for character, you know, et cetera. And I was like, what? <laughs> what, is, what is this character? I don't, you know, I started looking at Jack Johnson's stories. That's that 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 sort of uh, ambiguous workman-like defensive effort that goes into that. You know, it's the, it's the great unquantifiable. It's so strange. It's kind of like how every undersized wide receiver is gritty just because they're an undersized wide receiver. I'll yeah. take that one. Yeah, they're not 6'4". Yeah, so it's uh, a situation where I went to go look for Jack Johnson um, stories. I really didn't find anything that was p- positive on his game or positive on his attitude, which makes this whole thing even more confusing. Do you have a hypothesis other than maybe the connections as to why the Rangers would sign someone like Jack Johnson after the Pen- Pittsburgh Penguins bought him out? And a follow-up question to that, how thrilled were Penguins fans when the buyout happened? Uh... They, yeah, that was a that was a, a big day for everybody. Um, it, it, I think a lot of people got emotional. I felt like, <laughs> like, I got, like <laughs> that's bad um, news for me. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a, and again, you know, just noting like the impact that I think he had. It, it was it was to that it was to that extent, and it wasn't even just if you were an analytics person, right? you had plenty to talk about. If you just, if you didn't know what course he was, if you'd never even heard of an expected goal, you were probably still frustrated because as an eye tested person, you would be watching, you know, head down. Like here, here's a, here's a big one, right? Like head down, no look, whack it off the glass. Like you get a lot of that. And I, and I mentioned this on Twitter, you know, Justin Schultz, who struggled in his own right last year, and it's tough if you're going to analyze if you're going to analyze Johnson's game, uh, you'll notice that it's particularly bad with Schultz, uh, and and you know I, there's a reason for that. You know Schultz in his own right had his own issues, um, but paired together, it's pretty obvious who the puck carrier is on that pairing. Right? It's Justin Schultz. That's what his game has always been. Well, Montreal knew that too. They're not dumb, you know? I mean, they, they what they would do is they would start to forecheck the Penguins in a way that forced the puck to Jack Johnson. So you always go D to D, right? So Jack Johnson have the puck, he'd go D, back over to his partner, breakout gets set up, here'd come the Canadians, puck goes back to Jack Johnson, now he's got to make the pass. And it's not his game. You'd never ask him, he wouldn't mark, he would, I mean, that's not what you want him to do. But the circumstances dictate that he does it and that and, and it's not you know you'll 
if someone said, you know, point to that guys when somebody says, well, it could be hid and you could give them a good partner. No, really, you kind of can't. And like, I, I, I'll say any number of positive things about John Marino, but a lot of the video I used to, to show the evidence of this, John Marino was the one giving the puck back to him. And it wasn't because, you know, that, that, that was the, it was really the only play that was available to him at the time. So you got, that's, that's, you know, you're almost better off putting him with a like-minded defenseman and keep the opponent guessing as to who's going to get in. Because you know? <laughs> when you put him with an obvious, when there's an that clear-cut obvious decision to be made, other teams can attack it. And I and I don't know that I believe that until this year. So you're saying yeah. scouting well, is good. Okay, got it. Yeah. Check that out. Scouting, yeah. Good. Put that in and the it, column. And it sounds like it doesn't matter if it's true, but Fox or D'Angelo, uh, Rangers are screwed, is basically what I'm getting from that. Um Jesse, the thing I wanted to touch on with you as well, it you mentioned earlier how the conversation stopped almost being about Jack Johnson himself and more of that type of player. I got a lot of vibes towards the end of Pittsburgh's run with Johnson that it almost it was more about how Jim Rutherford talked about Johnson than it was Johnson's actual play. Like, yes, all three of us can admit Johnson's play was poor. No one is trying to convince anyone otherwise but I felt like the frustration when it came to conversations about Johnson almost made it sound like Rutherford was defiant of what was happening on the ice which is also partially what made the buyout itself kind of surprising right because it it started to sound like not only was Johnson going to remain with the Penguins he was going to remain a significant fixture with the Penguins well the the rhetoric always went against what was happening behind closed doors because when they tried to move Phil Kessel, you know, the initial deal there was to Minnesota and Phil Kessel nixed it and the deal included Jack Johnson. So you wouldn't try to make that deal if you felt, you know, there's no way for all the problems the wild had at the time that they were asking for Jack Johnson in that deal. I just cannot fathom that, that it wasn't like a, you do me a favor because we're going to retain some of this money for you type deal, you know? Uh, that got nixed. Kessel didn't, you know, obviously put the kibosh on that. Uh, he ends up in Arizona and you kept hearing things occasionally. The Penguins are trying to affix Jack Johnson to this deal. And so all the, the sort of the rumor mill always went against, uh, you know, what Jim Rutherford was saying. And even in, in the points where Johnson had gotten scratched, you know, and wasn't playing, you know, I, the, I think a lot of fans really honestly felt insulted. Uh, because it be that conversation at the very br at the bitter end there was maybe he's not as good as I think he is. This is his exact quote, but there's no way he's as bad as the anti Jack Johnson people think he is. So it was almost like, you know, how, w w w there's no data there. You haven't given. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're not making a compelling argument. Like we haven't extolled virtues. Um, it, it just. It, it didn't line up at all. And then now with the buyout, you know, the, 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 the reasoning behind the buyout was, well, we had to make space because we had too many players on the left side, but you only had too many players on the left side because you just traded for Mike Matheson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. While Jack Johnson was still on the team. So it was a lot of PR is what it was. And a lot of trying to make, Jack Johnson look attractive, which I guess is confusing to me because if you're a general manager at, at this stage in hockey, 
with the technological advancements that we've got where you could like type into a system a certain kind of play and get the video just produced for you by an algorithm who's just going off the word of the salesman we did we did that all the time the rangers are so good at that we did that with like nick Uh, golden we did it with um neil pionk we're big time fans of doing that just pumping them well there you go i mean that's what that's what that's what it was because you know I, like I said, you know, in that Montreal series, you know, when, when it, which is really like the the pit of despair as far as the Johnson Schultz time in Pittsburgh. That and it go if you go back and you watch just that series, you'd get the point. Uh, both of them, I think they were on the ice for five of nine even strength goals scored. And by the way, like goals against are a horrible metric to use to judge defense. And we could use other ones too. It's pretty much lined up with the rest of the data. You know, I'm just mentioning goals. This is the one in my memory, but. Um, yeah, it, 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 the ice time, you know, all that stuff, it just never really lined up with the messaging. So, um, I think that is what bugged people the most is that, you know, there was, and you're never going to have a general manager come out and trash somebody, but look at what Jim Rutherford said about Justin Schultz when he left, you know, Brian Rust signed the contract extension and hit a scoring slump. And Jim Rutherford said, I think some players on new deals are complacent. Never, that never, ever got directed at Jack. You never, ever heard that kind of criticism get levied at him. But do you think any of this comes down? Has there been a deal in NHL history that was more deadpan the second it was signed than Jack Johnson's deal with Pittsburgh? So do you think like, Rutherford may have felt himself in a corner the second yeah. that tweet went out that said official. Well, Jack I'll Johnson tell you what, to your point, deal. he talks about that. So I don't even think we need to speculate on what he thinks because he every almost every time he mentions it, he'll say from the moment that deal got signed, like literally would say that. And I guess I never really thought of it until you mentioned it just now. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a very, very good point. And, and it always came up. So it's, there's, to lend credence to what you've said, it, it, it's one. I mean, he, we've heard him say it as recently as like last month. So, is that when I wrote that anti Jack Johnson sort of people defense that I wrote, uh, the one that said like to the common person in Pittsburgh, you're not crazy. Um, that that was a part of the quote then. Even has any of Jack Johnson's album in between dreams ever played at the arena? It has not. Hmm. Okay. The focus here, and, and this is where MSG holds a distinct advantage over PPG Paints Arena. Okay. There was, I don't, a New York based Penguins fan had lobbied successfully to get Party Hard by Andrew WK to become the goal school, this goal song. And while unconventional, it worked very well. It didn't make sense initially, and it took a while to grow on me, but it did. Well, last year they nixed it, and they switched to jump around, which Mm. is just mailing it in to me. Jump around is just mailing it in. I'd much rather have Party Hard. I'd much rather have Jack Johnson. Yeah, make a banana pancake. Any song, not the you know. To be clear, right? Um, Waiting, wishing. But yeah, any of that. I you know. So that's kind of where the focus is as far as in arena music is concerned. Okay, I think that was my most important question, Greg. Any other questions for Jesse? 
Uh, that was my when Party Hard was on the Madden soundtrack. Madden soundtracks used to be fantastic. So did NHL soundtracks, by the way. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. What year was it when Jimmy Eat World was the title track for NHL? I don't know. It's been a long early two thousand. Great. Yeah. It was great. You guys probably don't remember Burn yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesse, we are old as shit, man. Kidding. I don't know what to tell you on that one. I, you, I, I was. Ta- oh my god, I was talking with someone today about just like a picture came up from college and they're like, Hey man, do you know, this was from 13 years ago. I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to die. Instant existential crisis. Yeah. Straight yeah. into the fetal like, position. Like, wow, 13 years, a whole bar mitzvah would have happened in between them. <laughs> that seems fantastic. Um, what, uh, all right, let's, let's end on the most positive note I can think of. What, uh, on the, on the doomsday rating, if the Rangers roll out Jack Johnson in the top four, where, where are we on the DEFCON list? Then? Wait, wait, wait. I want to make sure I have this correct. I said positive note. Yep, for sure. So you, first of all, you said top four. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yes. Jesse, you can't convince me right now that they're, I am convinced right now <laughs> yes. on opening night he's playing with Jacob Trouba. No chance he's not. Okay, and then am I going on one to ten? Yeah. Uh, what, what, I think DEFCON five is the highest. We could do one like, to ten, though, if it's easier for you. We're flexible. It's easier for me. We're flexible. Ten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ten. There's zero question. I mean, and here's the thing. This is um, and again, I'm, pe- I'm my crystal ball here for you, gentlemen, to peek into your future. Right. You will at one point look to the skies in agony, specifically over what has happened to Jacob Truba. You'll just exclude Jack Johnson from the scenario entirely, and you'll look at Jacob Truba's on ice results and be like, "Mike, what have they done to my? Be- what have they done to my boy?" <laughs> What have they done to my beautiful boy? I uh, don't even recognize I get a lot him. of uh, the vibes I'm going to get from Jacob Truba next year are the same vibes in the JT Real Mudo tweet when he sees Jared Hughes running in from the bullpen. <laughs> well, you know what? People said, well, you know, John Marino, he really, he really did well with Jack Johnson and that pairing worked out. But again, it's like at what expense, right? Like you've, you've taken this like amazing rookie talent that came out of nowhere and you've thrown a blanket over it. You know, so is it working? Yeah, I guess. But like, what are we sacrificing for this? You know, that 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 becomes the real thing that, that that'll. But and the Latang Johnson thing was so bad that it was like beyond. That everyone saw that coming a mile away because you just can't play with Chris Latang. You know, like it's he is a unique individual. <laughs> He's a unique defenseman. So we all saw that coming. But the Marino one was the one where you really started to sat back and were like, all right, this is one of our like bright spots here and like we're, we're, we're sort of being forced to have to live with him now, you know, as opposed to like celebrating, you know, these absurd nights where he's controlling like 80% of the shots and expected goals. Now it's like, Oh, 50, 52%. And it's good. <laughs> it's still good, but. Mm, mm. I, I gotta tell you, I, there's nothing. I mean, the, hyperbole aside i guess there are a lot of things in this world that currently depress me but (laughs) i can't i can't i can't imagine being jacob truba on opening night when he looks around and sees that his top penalty killing unit along with him is going to be jack johnson brett howden and kevin rooney yeah (laughs) yeah the only way the only way the only way that gets better is if you, you you they decide to um, deploy three defensemen and put Tony D'Angelo out too? Oh baby! You, you, know, you know what? I think we're maybe being too mean to Kevin Rooney. I think Kevin Rooney would take one look and be like, "Well, this is not what I fucking signed for." 
<laughs> what are what are we doing? What are we like doing? Rooney? Rooney's actually a solid penalty killer. Like if he has to be out there with Brett Howden and Jack Johnson, Kevin Rooney might just be like, you know what? I retire. Wake me up when Seattle calls for the expansion draft. That's it. Jesse, thanks so much for your time tonight. Really appreciate all the very positive comments we had from both sides. <laughs> I'm, I'm we definitely haven't been called too negative recently, and we definitely haven't been told to calm down. So we brought you on to do this. So that's really nice. Um, <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just trying to Sherpa your, <laughs> your Sherpa <laughs> to get through this period. I'm crying. Okay, why don't you go ahead and plug your things? Um, You know what? Uh, if you're interested in what the Penguins did at the draft and why they drafted a bunch of goalies, I uh, wrote an article about that today, so you could check that out on The Athletic. Yeah, yeah they, they, they used their first two picks on goalies, right? Did, I, did. did I black yeah. out or did they actually do that? They did that, and you know what's so funny? Is I wa- I spent all weekend watching on U twenty junior Swedish and Finnish hockey, and what I've derived from it is that the the the, the uh, Swedish goalie Callie Klang is a lot like Mark Andre Fleury, and the Finnish one Joel Blomquist is a lot like Matt Murray. Well, there you so go. We're just headed. We're just headed back. Run it back. It's just good. <laughs> we're gonna but we're gonna I do guess- this all over again. Final, final thing, and then we'll we'll leave. I promise. The Matt Murray extension in Ottawa. How? What? Your feelings? Your thoughts? Good for him. Honestly, like he deserves it. Um, I look back on his time probably more fondly. You know, it, 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 you know, it's old. Uh, I don't know if you guys like soccer, but you know, it's it's the old you know, when Sir Alex Ferguson left Man United. Whoever came in after him was going to fail. And that Matt Murray didn't fail, but I, I I feel like there was a gross underappreciation for what he was for what he did for his time. And um, I'm happy that that he's got a a new opportunity up there. It's, I know it's a much different environment. Uh, but that contract is is deserved for him. Any chance Flower ever comes back to Pittsburgh? Mm. I don't know if you guys saw uh, on Twitter, but I had a, I had avoided it and I avoided it and I avoided it, and then when it started to become like really hit the rumor mill, I had a, I had like an episode. I don't. I just. I'm so no. Please no. It was fun. I loved it when it happened. We all remember it fondly. But uh, Tristan Jari deserves the opportunity to write his own story beautifully said all right thanks jesse we'll be back next week thanks everyone i love to hear your comments about how we're too negative love you bye